0: The sixth chapter of Micah, verses 6 through 8, and from the fifth chapter of Matthew, verses 38 to 48. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? And from Matthew, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evildoer. But if anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your coat, give your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go also the second mile. Give to everyone who begs from you, and do not refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, You shall shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks,
1: Mike. Good morning. So last week we began a short new sermon series entitled John's Big Three. And as Pastor Emily pointed out, John is John... All right, you guys are paying attention. That's great. And his big three are do no harm, do good, and woo! a couple people. That's great. Tend to the ordinances of God, high fives and cookies and cakes all around for everybody. Nonetheless, grace abounds because we're going to dive deeper in it today. Do no harm, do good, and tend to the ordinances of God. What are the rules in which you govern your life or or how your life is structured? Is it, as John Wesley has pointed out, do no harm, do good, and tend to the ordinances of God? Or is it, as Micah pointed out, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God? There are some other rules that govern our life as well. Wash your hands before you eat. Make sure that you have a clean pair of underwear on before you preach. I got mine, just saying. What about the other rules that govern your life? Watch out for other people or watch out for numero uno, number one, which is me. Watch out for your brother, your sister, or is it keep the commandments or take care of those who love you or is it something else? Let's pray together. Holy and living God, we give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks that we are able to come together uh, as an assembly, as a body of Christ, to uh, listen and to pray and to sing the songs of your glory and your your goodness. That is for each and every one of us, but for each and every one of your children. So, God, we come this morning with thoughts that are going around in our head folks that are on our heart and on our minds and god we come this morning to lay it all before you and before the cross god may your words come through me this day and may we all strive and seek to do your will and your way all this we pray in the name of jesus christ and in the power of the holy spirit and together all of god's people said amen amen Amen. So it was the 1700s, and a guy named John Wesley, as we have since known, came up with a a set of three simple rules. And he attended college, he attended graduate school or seminary, and then he made a decision to follow this tug that has been on his heart for quite some time. And this tug was to enter into the ordained ministry. You see, for both his mom and his dad's side of the family, they came from a long lineage of clergy. And so John had been feeling this tug, and so he wanted to follow it. So at the ripe age of 26, he started going to Epworth Church in England, where his father was the rector or the priest. And there he watched as his father was the priest, enacting the duties of a pastor. And then he became ordained as a priest. John Wesley received his first call to serve a church in uh, Oxford at the university there. And there his brother Charles, a well-known hymn writer, and he joined a small group of like-minded individuals. And this small group's intention was to be more Christ-like to devote themselves to studying the scriptures, to understanding more deeply and holding one another more accountable in all that they say and all that they do. They they took communion every Sunday. They They prayed fervently. They read scripture and prayed every day. And they even fasted twice a week. Listen, I'm not good at fasting, let alone twice a week. I'm working on four hours, okay? I don't know about you. I need to be more intentional and better at fasting. So because of their rigidness and because of their disciplined lifestyle, they were seen around Oxford's campus as the holy club. People used to call me in high school a Bible thumper. Eh, probably. It's okay. I'll take it for what it's worth. People would call them Bible thumpers as well or Bible moths. And over time, as this holy club grew with people, and so did their rigid lifestyle, They became known around campus as the Methodists. It was a jab at first, but John Wesley said, I like the name, so we'll keep it. There's a newspaper article in England that in which he wrote that, that went and circulated around campus. But no matter the name, whether they were the Holy Club or the Methodists or Bible Thumpers or Bible Moths or Wesleyans, the premise was still the same. That they were seeking to be committed in a methodical way of studying the scriptures and praying and, and working and cultivating on their inner personal holiness all while showing external goods, external ways of service and being good. As the early Methodists continued to grow, John Wesley set up this framework for small groups known as uh, societies and classes and bands, all seeking to do just that, hold one another accountable, hold in discipleship and grow in their discipleship and in their relationship with Christ. Hence, we have those three simple rules. And at every class and society and band, you had to follow those rules. Do no harm, do Good, and tend to the ordinances of? Good. Not your own ordinances, right? God's ordinances. Stay in love with God as well. As you grew in the faith in Christ, those rules then turned into questions. How have you done harm? How have you done good? How have you tended to those ordinances of God? And I want to invite you in this week to come to ask yourself those three questions. How have you done harm to yourself, to others? How have you done good to yourself, to others? How have you stayed in love with God throughout it all? The main concern for Wesley's John and Charles was that there was no faith Sure, there was faith and there was knowledge of faith, being and knowing, knowing and saying, but what about being and doing? What about faith in action? They had just come off the heels of the Protestant Reformation in 1500 and now we're in 1700 with John and Charles. They wanted the church to be more intentional about serving, about doing, about being the church. And so John and Charles wanted to go a little bit deeper. The Reformation was all well and good, but what about sanctification? It felt like it was lacking. What about knowing that God is coming to you and saving you, but then what are you going to do in response? Knowing that in that Reformation, God was now accessible. It wasn't about how much you paid, but it was now about God's free gift of grace to you. It wasn't just that God's pardoning needed to be lifted up, but God's doing, and now your doing, needed to be lifted up as well. Saying and knowing, living and doing. My friends, they need to be coupled together. Christianity is and was more than just looking on as if we were window shopping and as we were spectators sitting in the grandstand. Living the Christian lifestyle, and living a Christian life is about saying and knowing, but also about doing and being. It's the call and the command of Christ to do both at the same time with both of our words and our actions. We're called by Christ to embody what we believe and to show that out in the community. And sometimes we tend to overcomplicate this, don't we? Overcomplicated and spectator Christianity isn't a new thing. It isn't a new thing for us today, and it wasn't a new thing for the Wesleys in the 1700s. In the 8th century BCE, the prophet Micah spoke forth. He said this. It was like a courtroom-like setting, if you read again Micah 6, 6-8. Charges have been brought, questions were brought forth, and John Wesley said Sorry, not John Wesley. Micah said, what must we do to gain God's good favor? And God spoke forth, remember. Remember how I've been with you throughout it all. Remember the Red Sea. Remember Moses and Aaron and Miriam. Remember it all. Remember how I've always been there for you. And then the prophet Micah speaks up again and he says, it's pretty straightforward what God wants from you. To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. Do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with God. My friends, we're called to do good. And we're called to do things that are just and right. We're called to do things that are faithful in the kingdom of God with whom we work and live and play and travel and study. Give them better than they deserve. Offer to carry their burdens for a little while. Make sure that they have food on their table and food enough to eat. Make sure that their water is clean. Make sure that they have a a safe a dry, a warm place to sleep. Make sure that our brothers and sisters don't just have a little education, but enough education. Make sure that they have enough drinking water. Help them to find refuge and peace when the world around them is crashing down. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. The same is true for us today. We've been given a task by God to remember God's promises, remember God's protection, remember God's love, remember that God is with us throughout it all, and to remember what God has told us to do, what God has written on our hearts, that we must not overcomplicate things, but to love God with everything we've got, as Jesus says, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, and to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen? Jesus made things simple, Not easy. Simple, but not easy. In my first couple days of attending seminary, I I moved to on-campus housing, which was simple, but not easy. Um, And I was organizing all of my stuff, making sure that they were in nice, neat compartments and and dressers and drawers and hanging up in the closet. And then my roommate moves in. And uh, that neat and orderly stuff now got chaos. Okay? It was pretty bad. So my new roommate moved in, and our room was a 20 by 20 square. I don't think that's enough for two people, but the seminary thought it was enough for two people. That was funny. Okay. Well, yeah, don't laugh. Anyways, we started having these deep theological and philosophical conversations that you only have in seminary, right? And so we started having these conversations, and we, we learned about one another and our faith in Christ and how we came to faith in Christ, and we found out that we were both pretty similar but unique. I grew up in the United Methodist Church, and I learned about uh, Christian Christianity and being a Methodist and, and John Wesley and living out my relationship with God, and he grew up in a Heinz 57, as he calls it, a Heinz 57 relationship with God. He went to 57 different varieties of churches and religions, okay? That's why the number's on there. There's 57 varieties in case you look at ketchup next time. But he went to assemblies of God and to Baptists and to Catholics and uh, to Catholicism. He even went to Buddhism and and Judaism for a little bit. And I said, what what drew you to a United Methodist Seminary? Why? Why? And he said, it's this, out of all the different faiths, all the different churches I attended and worshiped and joined, it was the United Methodist Church and John Wesley, the understanding of doing and being coupled with saying and knowing. It wasn't just saying and knowing, but it was doing and being, actually living out the faith that drew me in. These conversations continued, and in seminary we probably stayed up till 4 o'clock in the morning every night, but nonetheless, that was seminary. I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Saying and doing versus being and knowing. We continued to have these conversations over the months, and one night after we had stayed up pretty late, uh, we were getting ready for class, and he took out one of these shirts getting ready for class. We were on our way. And it was one of those 90s cheesy churchy Christian shirts, right? I still have some in my closet. It's okay. And it had handcuffs on the front. And on the back it said, Would you, if you were convicted for being Christ-like, if you were convicted for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to hold that conviction? If you were arrested on the charge of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? My friends, that's, I believe that wholeheartedly. That shirt was cheesy and all, but it was right. That is our call, to incarnate and to embody our theology, to live it out. And in our gospel for, from Matthew 5 this morning, Jesus is busy righting some wrongs in our overcomplication of things, in the way that God works, in the way God acts Jesus says, you have heard it said before, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus is lifting up Exodus 21:28, the law of Moses, which it, it really says an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a wound for a wound, a scar for a scar, a stripe for a stripe, a hand for a hand, a foot for a foot. Retaliation at work. Jesus says, you have heard it said before, but I, Jesus, say to you this, do not resist an evildoer. If anyone strikes you on the right cheek, turn the other also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, give them your shirt and your coat as well. If anyone wants you to go one mile, you should go an additional, a second as well. Give to anyone who asks of you and do not turn down anyone who wants to borrow from you. Jesus made things simple, not easy. And Jesus does it again. He says, Moses said to you this, but I say to you this. This is how it really is in the kingdom of God. You have heard that it was said before, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus is lifting up Leviticus 19, but Jesus says, you have heard that it was said before. Moses said to you, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you. You shall not take vengeance. You shall love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says, strive to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. We're called to love and to pray for those who it is even hard to love. It's easy to love those who love you, right? But we're called to love and pray for those whom it is hard to love. Those who hate you. Those who revile you. Jesus is saying if you greet and love only those who look and act and think and love and smell and pray like you, then you're missing the point. You should do that anyways because they are your brother or your sister. But to those who don't think and act and love and smell and pray like you, well, you still need to love them. You still need to pray them, even if you disagree with them and even if they disagree with you. Even though it might be hard to be in community with them, even though it might be hard to love them, That is your call. You're called to love and to pray for them. Now friends, hear this. In this scripture passage, Jesus is not calling you to be a doormat. Jesus is not calling you to be a more passive and submissive victim. He's calling you and telling you how to be a victor. Don't take abuse lying down. Don't submit to the enemy who would cause you harm. Stand up for yourself and love and to pray and to forgive and refuse to lower yourself, to return evil with evil. But pray that God will work in the life of your enemy just as mightily, just as powerfully, just as redemptively as God has worked in your life. Amen? It's really easy to judge others. It's really easy to hate people. I'm not going to lie. We're in church. We need to be honest, right? Jesus continues in Matthew chapter 5, and these last couple of statements of Jesus really hit hard. Really, Jesus? You said that? You went there? Jesus said, "You, There is the sun that rises on the evil and on the good. There is rain that falls on the righteous and the unrighteous. Evening the playing field. Really? Really, Jesus? Even my enemy, the sun rises on them. Even my enemy, the rain falls on them. You mean that God gives out and dispenses gifts and mercies and goodness on both the just and the unjust? Come on, Jesus, it can't be this way. But friends, that's the gospel message. In the great patience and mercy and love of God, we are given a new life through Christ, and we are called to show that kindness, that love, that mercy to others, and to do good indiscriminately. My friends, as children of God, we are called to live above the ordinary ways of this world, and we're called to bring Jesus to others. We're called to treat others as how we would want to be treated, with kindness and mercy and love, and to do good all in the name of Christ. But how? How do we do good? Is it just the absence of doing no harm? Doing good is living and paying attention to the commands of Christ and the activity of the Holy Spirit. Doing good is transformative. It it takes that gift that is in each of us, the the image of God, and it grows it so that we become more and more like Jesus. For the prophet Micah, he was calling people to remember, remember. God has been with you throughout it all, and God has promised you all of this. Remember that. And remember what God requires of you to do justice, love, mercy, and to walk humbly with God. The same is true for Jesus. Jesus when we overcomplicate things, when we overthink things, Jesus made things simple, not easy, calling us to remember what really mattered to God, to love and to pray for all, even your enemies. Jesus says, strive to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. For John Wesley, in this simple rule to do good, simple, right? Not easy, Wesley thought that in each of us there was this deep desire, this deep longing to do good, and that was the enactment of that image of God in our lives. Be perfect as your Heavenly Father is perfect. Strive to do good in all ways, in all things, even when they don't seem natural, and even when you don't want to, even when they don't make sense, and even to people who are not like you. This is simple stuff, right? Not overcomplicated just not easy for the past 300 nearly 300 years since that small group meeting with John and Charles and those others at oxford the methodist church has continued to do good that spark has continued to burn brightly methodists took in that early time they took food to the poor they took Visit. Uh, sorry, they took food to the poor. They visited prisoners. They they taught orphans how to read and how to write. They advocated for workers both in in Europe and America. They they advocated to end child labor, and they even advocated for fair wages and safety standards in the work environment. The Methodists, the early Methodists, even purchased a warehouse where they could do child uh, care where they could do dental and medical clinics, where they could have literacy programs for adults, where they could tutor children and, and talk about small businesses, and to do and to distribute food and clothing, free health care and medications. And friends, doing good has not stopped. The Methodist Church and John Wesley and those founders advocated to end slavery. Supported voting rights, have built hospitals and schools and community centers and, and so much more in local communities all throughout the world. And here at Ebenezer, it is our call to live that out as well. To do good. And to live love. And my friends, that's been carried out in a multitude of ways. Backpacks for our neighbors and our, the students at Moncure Elementary School, which, by the way, we're still collecting until the end of this month. Meals at Montcure, meals out in the neighborhood with Micah Ministries and so on, and Mackendry Manor. From serving and spending time with our unhoused brothers and sisters to raising funds and generously giving to purchase an ambulance for Mercy Hospital in Sierra Leone to building and drilling wells out in different villages all throughout Sierra Leone and Bo and in Sammy, digging wells and making latrines there as well. My friends, we are called as followers of Christ to not just say and to know, but to what? Be and do. We're not called to say and know, but we're called to be and do. We're called to go above and beyond the easy and the normal and the usual and the everyday and dare to invoke the kingdom of God here on this earth. Amen? Amen. Before we go in a minute, I want to invite you, as we join together in prayer, I want to invite you to pray. Pray intentionally, God, how will you use me this week to do good? God, whom might I touch with my actions And my words, pray that God will show you and lead you to someone this week as you not only say and do, but as you be and do
0: the life that God has called you to. Amen.